paranormal umbrella that we host on Friday nights, which covers anything and everything from the spooks to history mysteries. Tonight, we are going to be discussing one of the most long-lived, most talked about, and the most information that we have possibly found ever in the history of ever conspiracy theories, which I don't believe is an actual conspiracy theory, the inner earth. Okay, and how people believe that there is an inner earth society and people live there inside the earth. And we are going to be discussing how this came about long, long time ago, all the way back to like 10,800 BC. It goes way, way back into the way back, y'all. And we are talking about these peoples, I would rather call them peoples instead of creatures, um, because somehow that just feels really disrespectful, um, that have a hand and secretly kind of guide the evolution of the human race in all things, not just in how we evolve physically, but how we evolve metaphysically, spiritually, how we're enlightened, and how it has come to be the most sought-after knowledge and society that there is. Even wars have been fought over this. Well, we'll say that wars have been fought over this because they don't actually want to say that wars have been fought over this. But I believe if, the war did start. If they admitted that wars had been fought over it, they would have to admit that it is an actual thing to begin with. And therein lies the problem, because if they're trying to hide something, you can't admit that you're fighting over it. Exactly. So they don't want to admit that it exists. But they'll pussyfoot around the around the whole topic, though, that's for sure. Which, you know, isn't something that's new to, you know, the governments of the world. Right. They sure do like to acknowledge without actually acknowledging. <laughs> yeah. And, and in this inner earth, this this land of Shambhala, um, there apparently exists this king of the world, um, and he is um, accompanied by his two other rulers, uh, one that basically rules over the fate of the world and the direction and course of events, but then you've also got the other one that rules over the spiritual development uh, of the of mankind and the the king of the world is this benevolent ruler that basically sits on his throne and observes all the goings on on the planet and um, makes sure that we're on course that we are on our path to um, higher development, higher enlightenment. Um, and it's interesting because they say that he has the power to literally Thanos snap the world out of existence if he wanted to. Not that he has or that he ever would, but supposedly he is um, literally the king of the world. And 
um, this Shambhala is also ruled by ascendant masters who um, some of them have come in contact with um, humanity, like uh, El Mora, Moriah, El Moria. Um, he was supposedly an ascendant master that um, connected with, um, oh, what's her name? Blavatsky, Helena Blavatsky. And she actually may have potentially traveled to Shambhala and seen it firsthand. Um, now, which, I have a question about her. Is she the one that did the night school or was she the one that started the the Vril Society? So she she did not start the Vril Society. The Vril Society was actually started by um, Maria Orsic. And oh, she yeah. was an Aust- Maria Orsic was an Austrian medium who uh, basically said that she was getting signals from the boomy alien, which I know all of this sounds totally far-fetched and totally outlandish. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of information about her that makes you kind of go, hmm. Like, is there credibility to this? Um, And not so much in a good way either, because Maria Orsic was one of the, she's one of the founders of the Third Reich. Like, the real, she was the leader of the real society. And real society is a group of of people that um, actually date even before Hitler. Um, and then they basically come into this, um, they were basically writers of the Third Reich, and, um, they believed that Vril society, the, the land of Vril was coming to, basically that, um, these boomy aliens were this, um, Aryan race, that we're going to basically take over the planet and, um, and I guess control everybody in this regime. And obviously, right. That okay, well, right. Obviously, thank God. But I mean, that plays into the whole thing of, and this may be a sensitive topic for some people. So I'm going to go ahead and and warn you that in this. Um, discussion that we are having about the inner earth and the conspiracy theory of the inner earth it does talk about the Nazis um, and it does talk about Adolf Hitler so we will briefly be discussing them as we discuss the inner earth theory so I want to go ahead and give you a heads up on this Um, so if you don't want to stay for that I completely understand some people that's a a very you know hot button issue that they they don't want to engage and I completely understand that but just know that we are not glorifying them in any way we're just stating absolutely factors as they pertain to this particular topic so in this topic um, they had a um, this Viril society 
came about around the same time with Adolf Hitler. And as my co-host has stated, um, the Aryan thing that they had going here. Um, now, here's here's my, my issue with this. This was completely separate. These, this religion of Shambhala and this holy place was right. here before Adolf Hitler corrupted it, before the Aryan uh, society Basically. corrupted this whole spiritual uh, realm of Shambhala and the Tibetan spiritualist that came that was established before this happened so it was it was completely corrupted much like what we'll talk we'll touch on this later as well the um symbolism for the hammer of thor um the hammer of thor was also corrupted by this whole and i'm just gonna state it this crazy Adolf man right? that, came, that came out and decided that he was just going to take bits and pieces of he felt entitled to do so and corrupt all of these these very holy, very spiritual things in different <laughs> cultures and, and corrupt them and twist them to what he believed he could use them for, for basically ultimate power. So if you could just bear with us while we talk about that, I would greatly <laughs> appreciate it. So, <laughs> And just know that, um, like, for instance, the, the Nazis, you know, the symbolism, like the... Um, well, their their main symbol. I don't want to say it like that, but their their yeah, symbol. It, it, the original the original symbol that it was was the for Thor, the god right. the god Thor, well, in the first pagan pantheon, and it was and completely that, demonized when they when Adolf decided to make his stupid flag that he made. So. Now, interesting connections about that symbol is that um, it was not only like Thor, but you've also got um, the the Indian um, representation of that, where you've got like that symbol on uh, the Buddhas and, you know, the Hindu religions used it and this is a worldwide symbol and it supposedly originated from agartha from shambhala um which is this inner earth world uh that we have that's apparently been living around been around since like thousands of years bc like this is one of the oldest symbols in human civilization. So um, the connection between, like you said, Thor and even like uh, Asgard, think about it like in terms of like you've got Asgard and then you've got Agartha, how similar those two words are. And you've got the, the Scandinavians talking about Asgard and then you've got Agartha, which is like Tibetan. So two totally different places in in the world. 
and they're talking about similar things where um, they the Norwegians considered uh, Asgard to be to the far north. Now, for a long time, um, people have been um, debating on the entrances to this inner earth as being at the poles. Um, they've also observed that certain animals and birds actually fly north for the winter rather than south, which has led countless expeditions um, to find where they're going in the north because they disappear. And then all of a sudden, when things start warming back up, you know, spring starts coming around, they fly south and they're coming back to their lands. Where are they coming from? Are they coming from this inner world? Now, there's a lot of scientific research that um, dates all the way back to Sir Edmund Haley, who literally discovered Haley's Comet. This is a man that um, not only discovered Haley's Comet, but he discovered several other comets um, in 1531, 1607, and 1682. So this is a man that knows about astronomy. He knows about how planets work. He knows about um, the magnetics, uh, electromagnetics of the Earth. He knows about the sun. And he actually claimed that there were, it could be possible that a small sun within the Earth actually exists. And that that is where our northern lights come from, the aurora borealis where it's literally exiting the holes on the polar ends and giving us a light show here on the surface. Now, Sir Edmund Haley, what he believed was that there were multiple layers uh, within the Earth. And that actually followed um, a couple other um, world narratives. Uh, like the Navajo creation story about how there were four worlds within this world um, that you had the black world, which was at the very center. And then you had the blue world, which was a little bit further out, but was filled with war and all kinds of just fighting and really murder. Um, and they, they didn't like living there and along with the creatures. The creatures didn't like living there either. So they moved out to the third world, uh, which was the yellow world. And that was that ended up getting destroyed by the flood um, or by a flood in which that world was basically destroyed because um, the coyote, which is one of um, the Navajo's most ancient original gods – um, which some people have um, equated to Loki. He's a trickster. Coyote is a trickster. And he stole um, the, the water dragon's child. And so the water dragon brought a flood, which then ended the third world. And um, mankind created or planted this reed which grew up into the heavens and they climbed that reed out into the fourth and glittering or white world which is the world we live on today so there's several different like inner worlds within worlds within worlds um that 
you know, you've got your, the Navajo talking about it. You've got um, the same exact concept um, talked about by Sir Edmund Haley. And then you've got other scientists like um, John Cleve Syme. From so he lived between 1780 and 1829, and he proposed that the outer shell of the Earth is a thousand miles thick, and that there's a hollow interior. And he based that on um, the weight of the world compared to the weight of the moon. Now that gets into some really stuff that I won't cover here, just because that's. <laughs> That's on a different level of fancy. So <laughs> I'm going to have to interrupt you for one second. We're gonna I'm going to make a quick correction here. Most of the information that I have found um, on the symbol that we spoke about earlier um, that was used, although it was also uh, tied to Thor, it was I was recently informed by a friend that it was originated in India and it was first used in Eurasia representing the movement of the sun across the sky. So I want to make sure that we put that in there as well, because like I said, we want to make sure that we get all of the information in here correctly. I don't want to give just absolutely basic information in there. So thank you very much, Mebula. I appreciate you calling that out and uh, letting me correct that on here and putting that on here as well. So, um, Thank you for that. That's what we want. That's what we want. We want Absolutely. you guys to be able to say, uh, although that is also a thing, this is actually this, this, and this. So don't be afraid to be like, hey, although we really do want to be able to give the best information and get it as close to uh, the originated story or um, heritage or culture that it came from as possible. Absolutely. So if you've got the information, if you've got the facts, if you can give it to us, please feel free to do so. so One million you. percent, yes. Um, now, going back to Alexandre Santiev, um, he was really the first one to bring um, Agartha to the Western world. Um, before then, Agartha was kind of this enigmatic place that the Mongolians and the nomads and um, the local native people of um, Tibet and that whole region, um, it was kind of a, it was a belief system. It wasn't really a secret, but it just wasn't widely known outside of that boundary. Um, just because, I mean, this was the 1800s and that region was still, it, even today is very much unexplored. It's a very remote um you know, area of the Himalayas, as well as, you know, vast deserts that there's just no way to chart at all, like in a lot of detail. So Alexander, Alexandre, or yeah, Alexandre Santiev, um, he was actually um, approached by a man named Haji Sharif, and not a whole lot is known about this man. This man was um, known as basically one of the students of the school of Agartha. 
Now, when he Santiev learned about this um, because uh, Haji Sharif was actually um, hired to be his mentor. Santiev's mentor. Um, and he taught him Sanskrit along with um, the language of the Vatanians, which was the written language of the inner earth. Now, this Vatanian, um, it's the writing is unlike anything I've ever seen. And I actually have some pictures that, like, of the writing that I can post in our. Uh, in our Discord group, which um, I have actually linked the Discord to this uh, this podcast. So if anybody wants to join, they can absolutely go there and join, and they can see some of the written documentation that we have pulled up. Um, and I'll share all of this documentation so that you guys can do your own research um, and really jump down this earth-sized rabbit hole into the subterranean world that is Agartha, because this is just incredible. Um, but as he has learned about Agartha, he started getting obsessive about it. And um, in his teachings from this uh, this Haji Sharif, um, eventually Haji Sharif um, introduced Santiev to his mentor, and his mentor deemed Santiev not worthy of the knowledge of Agartha, um, basically saying this was a mistake. Humanity's not ready. You're you're not you're not ready. So we're done here. And Haji Sharif. And his mentor disappeared. Nothing was ever heard from, from them again. And they vanished, which we can only assume, to Agartha. So, um, basically, from that point on, Santiev decided to write a book about Agartha, saying, okay, well, I've learned as much as I have and i think this is enough to publish a book and so he wrote a book and when this book was done um he went to go get it published and there were a bunch of copies made and everything and then the publisher all of a sudden changed his tune and was like mm, no and burned all the copies except for one um of this book and this book um, was basically Santiev's copy. It was his own ver like his copy of his book that he got to keep. Um, but there was only ever one. And that copy got passed down to his children, and that's how literally the Western world learned about Agartha. Um, but before this copy, before before the publisher gave the copy to Santiev. Um, he removed key aspects of it um, to basically conceal the location of Agartha and make sure that no one on the surface would be allowed access to Agartha until the Agarthians um, allowed it. And they brought the information to the world and exposed themselves um, when the world is ready. 
And from there, we are still waiting. So, Beth, are you seeing the state of society right now? Right. <laughs> I we're we're not we quite can. there yet. <laughs> we have a long ways to go. Yeah, I think I, I feel like you yeah, have you ever seen um I think it was a meme that said how could Rome or Atlantis or Egypt fall because they were such great, you know, societies back in the day. And it's like, yeah, this is it. This is this is how it happens right here. Right. <laughs> Right now, here's an interesting. Now, here's an interesting fact about Atlantis that kind of ties into all of this. Um, so, supposedly, Agartha has not always been inside the Earth. Um, at one point in time, Agartha was supposedly on the surface, and during uh, about five thousand years ago is kind of when mankind went a little nuts and Agartha was like, eh, we need to retreat. And yeah. it went yeah. below the surface. Now, <laughs> went below the I surface, meaning they went into the earth. Now, if you look at uh, the early records of Agartha um, dating back like 50,000 years. We're going way, way, way back. Um, Agartha was supposedly located on an island in the middle of a sea, kind of like Atlantis. And then when the Earth went into turmoil, um, basically the Himalayas sank beneath the oceans now i'm just gonna i'm gonna say now if i had the ability to dip out when like you know crap got real i would dip mm -hmm. out like when we were talking wednesday night about like the the mongolian death worm and how uh -huh. it just dig tunnels and stuff and just be like nah i'm out deuces and they just like loop right into the the earth those giant sinkholes and stuff right that's that would be me i would be the mongolian death worm i'd just be like <laughs> and just dig myself right into you know find a <laughs> spot in the middle of the earth you know what i'm saying as long as i could take the sky jellies with me i'd be okay y'all missed out <laughs> sky jellies yes Y'all weren't here listening Wednesday night. Y'all missed out on the Mongolian death worms, the stick men, and the sky jellies. And the sky jellies are basically giant jellyfish that hang out in the upper atmosphere and just kind of float around eating all of the bad nasties that are in our in our atmosphere and eating all of the pollution and stuff. They're really just cute little, you know, giant jellyfish or whatever. I mean, if you can think a jellyfish, it's cute. But that's what I would do, right? Honestly, <laughs> off topic here. But that's what I would do. I mean, if I looked around and was just like, "Nah, this ain't it. This ain't for me," I would dip out. I would be like, "No, thanks, gone. Take the whole island with me. Why leave my family when I can take the whole island with me? Let's go. This ain't this right. ain't the party we came here for." I'm just saying that's what I would do. Now, based on the mythology of everything. Um, Agartha, like I said, was above ground, and it was located somewhere um, beyond 
to the west of the Himalayas. And um, the king of the world, um, basically, on the with the onset of the Kali Yuga, which I think was basically considered the Great Flood. Um, basically, it was when the the whole planet went into turmoil, and on the with the onset of this Kali Yuga, um, Agartha was didn't just sink; it was transferred, like. Like just the king of the world was like, mm, into the earth we go. And he just took the whole city and just like teleported it into the earth. And from there, it was concealed from humanity and has been ever since. And that was around 3200 BC. So around 5200 years ago is when they dipped out. But... Um, they have supposedly kept in touch with different people on the surface throughout humanity since then, um, including making a connection with the Christ child of the Bible. And, you know, for anybody who knows the story of the three wise men visiting the Christ child, those three wise men were supposedly from Agartha. They were the wise men of the Agarthan schools, the same school uh, that um, Haji Sharif was from. So, See, like, they have... They just right? pop up with, when, like, some big historic event happens. Just like, I'm going to take the elevator up to the second level. And see what's right? going on because apparently this is a really big event and we need to be here to witness this. It reminds me of the dark watchers that we were talking about in California last night. Like they're, they're just so, watching. They're just watching and like blooping in, like here, I'm gonna be a part of this like big historic event for a few minutes and then I'm gonna dip out. Just long enough for y'all to be like, What was that? And then I'm gonna leave. Just to let you know, as a reminder, we're still here. But at the same time, it's like when you said the night school thing, that's the LCW chick, right? From Australia or Austria. I can't remember. It's one of those Austria. two. I think it was, was it Austria? Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you, yeah. about the, are you talking about Maria Orsic from the Vril? Vril Society? No, this, or? One, this one was a totally different chick. She was supposed to be a psychic who started to, uh, she was interviewed and studied. And she explained that she started to, when she would fall asleep, she was taken from her body like astral planning. Yes, her. And the, her, at first she was just known by her initials, LCW. And she was taken um, by an invisible guide to um, Argatha and taught uh, dances at what she called night school. And once she learned, yeah, once she learned these dances over a course of years, it wasn't just like, okay, you got six weeks in ballet, you know, and then you can move on to tap dance and jazz. No, she was just like <laughs> learning the rhythm of the universe. Then she right. was exposed to what she referred to as like a giant antenna that reached from the core, like Argatha, from the core of the earth, all the way up into space. 
like out into into space and she would was guided up there by this invisible guide up into this antenna that emitted out into the universe into space from earth and it resembled the tree again for the Norse um, mythology the the tree of like uh, god Asgard and Jotunheim uh, yeah Yagdrasil. Yes. And it was tree. Right, that one. And that's what gets me is that you don't have it just in um as Meb mentioned before, you don't have it just in, you know, Eurasia and um with Tibet and the mentions mm-hmm. in native uh culture in America, you also have it now in uh, Switzerland and with the Norse mythology and right. their pantheon and it's linked to their gods so it's like right. are their gods uh, did their gods actually originate from Argatha and Arthur, then like yeah. And, yeah they come from um, there and then just be like you know what I'm just gonna go screw screw earth why stay on Earth? When we, right? If we can teleport to the middle of Earth, why can't we just teleport outside of Earth and make our own realm? You know? Right. It's just, it's just the thing that I'm contemplating. Now, there were, like I said, there were a lot of um, explorations done trying to find the North Pole. Now, there are people who, you know, that, um, shoot cannot think of the name at the moment, but um, basically the guy who's responsible for discovering the North Pole um, is full of baloney because the dude never discovered it. He even, in his journal, he was like, they he was trying to reach the North Pole and he got to like 80 degrees longitude or latitude. I can't remember which one is which, but basically he was he was headed towards the center and then uh, for somehow he got off course like 700 miles off course now you don't just head north and go 700 miles off course like he was following the ice flows and when following the ice flows um, they were expected to be going north. The flows led north, right? Well, they didn't. They led northwest. And as if they were going around something like a landmass. Now, could this landmass be where the opening is um, to Shambhala, to this inner earth? Now, Many people have suggested throughout the last 500 years that, and we're talking like, like scientists and explorers talk about how this opening is anywhere from uh, 400 miles wide to 1,600 miles wide. Now, that's a big freaking hole. Now, if you think about that, like just from a just from the standpoint of the visible horizon you would not even know you were going in if you were on the edge 
because it's so wide that you would be looking at this um, event horizon, so to speak, without knowing it because you're literally on the edge looking downward into the planet. But because the hole is so big, you would never even know it. And that's how um, Admiral Byrd supposedly flew into it in the ni- in 1947. He supposedly flew into the planet without actually even knowing it and was confronted with a totally different world full of lush green and um, this in- interplanetary sun that lit up the whole interior of the planet. And um, that's... He- that's a negative human savvy. That's a negative. But it's right? no. Mm-mm. See, the pattern is full, Ghost Rider. Can't do that. No, thank you. <laughs> I have a but- problem with with cave itself. Like I'll go into a cave. Like I you know how you force yourself to like face your fears and stuff? Like I'll go into a cave yeah. and I'll be I, like, hmm? I am inherently it's- terrified of caves. Like, there, there's something about the subterranean world that just instills fear in everybody. Not just, not it's just underground. me. It's underground. Right? At any moment, at any moment, earthquake, bam, you're buried alive. You are buried right. alive. You ain't coming back from that. I can't do No. Whew. Like, panic. <laughs> panic that's negative and then there's people who like go scuba diving in caves that oh, are no, full of water no, 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 no. and they got like that inch like that like inch or half inch of where it's just just enough for you to stick your nostrils up out of the water to get some Ugh. air no <laughs> so he no, flies no, no. a whole He's just going to fly a whole plane into a gaping hole and just be like, yeah, I'm good. That's no. But now imagine that hole is so big that you don't even know you're flying into it until you literally are inside a whole different world full of lush green plants, um, animals like woolly mammoths just grazing the fields like no big deal. Uh, UFOs flying around like high-tech society inside the earth yeah i mean that me the hell out that would be all the way the hell out because okay just forget the part about you not understanding that you have flown and a whole airplane into a giant mouth hole in the earth (laughs) right but the fact sure that there is a whole ecosystem in there and it's just like that would creep me out even more that would make me feel better it would actually make me feel worse because now i'm like (laughs) and algae and all this stuff is just living living their life down here what else well, is living like? I can do it. Like it's almost like a tropical zone in there, um, from the description of things. Now, the this skin inside the planet, you would you would almost wonder, okay, how is this even possible, right? But think about it. Now, the the scientific theories of this internal sun estimate that this sun is around 600 miles in diameter that's a big sun 
So there's now, a sun. There's a sun in the cave. There's a sun in the at the heart of our planet. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, so in the cave that he went into, he could visibly see the sun. Yeah. In fact, he thought he was flying towards the horizon, thinking he was looking at the sun that we're used to seeing, when in reality, he was following the sun leading into the center of the Earth. Now, he wasn't flying through a cave structure. He was flying through a gaping hole in the planet. So this wasn't like following a cave that like you and I would find in like the Great Smoky Mountain. No. He was following a cave, like he was flying into a giant massive hole in the at the top of our planet. No. No thank right? you. Now, no. from, a from a scientific point of view, um, the concept of the Earth being hollow is actually not too far-fetched. Think about it. Okay, so you've got a sun, right? Now, there are historical reports of there being two suns, okay? Now, this is going way, way back to the antediluvians, you know, before the time of the moon. There, there's actual recorded time before the moon came into orbit. Um, which, by the way, the moon is also theorized to be hollow, um, which um, NASA had even confirmed in one of its uh, Apollo missions, where they dropped a rover from the orbit of the moon, and it landed, hit the moon, and the moon rang like a bell for six hours, which could only happen if the moon was hollow. So not only is the moon hollow, but so is our own planet. Now, you've got the destruction of, um, based on Sumerian lore, you've got the destruction of um, another world or another planet that is now our asteroid belt. And could it be that this sun that's now located within our Earth um, pulled some of that that leftover, you know, destroyed planet in around it, creating this structure around this little mini sun. Think about that. To create yeah. this hollow earth with a shell, you know, this sun in the middle of this earth, our earth, and creating this hollow dome or this planetary shell around it which we now call earth a terranium what you're telling you're right. baking my noodle again you're baking my noodle again and i don't like it i hate it when you do this to me because now <laughs> i feel like i'm an ant living in a terranium and we're all just along for the ride because this is weird because first we got the sky jellies and then we had the flying serpents and then the stick men and then we had the dark watchers and now we've got this whole subterranean civilization that's supposed to be the center of our evolution and spiritual evolution. And right. you're t like, yeah. And by the way, I'm just going to, you know, throw a sun in the mix. Here's an extra sun. Have that, that. <laughs> and it's a whole 
whole like tropical ecosystem down there, like you know, with a gaping hole in the center of Earth. See that? Cre- nah, that creeps me all the way out because, like, what's in there? Like, what's in there? What else is in there? Like these kids, I know they're supposed to be humanoid and everything, and I'm fine with that. But like, like, what do they look like? Like, you haven't told me yet. Like, I know that they could come off looking like humans, right? Because you touched on the whole thing of like the three wise men sure. possibly being from this, you know, from this subterranean culture and and same with Sharif. He was also right. humanoid. Okay, so, so they can so look human, but what are they? What do they actually look like? Do, do we do we have a description of what they actually look like in this subterranean like villa that they're living in, in this nice little tropical Hawaii so, thing going here? Believe it or not, um, there are supposed to be several humanoid species living inside the Earth. Now you've got. So we got subspecies of species living down here. Absolutely. Nah, now I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> now, some of these are a little crazy and a little far-fetched, and it's hard to believe. Like, for instance, the mantis people, the ant people, um, the giants, which the giants are, in my opinion, absolutely believable. We have tons of records all over our planet that – Giants roamed the earth at one point in time. And now in terms of giants, we're talking anywhere from seven to 50 feet tall. So there's a pretty big range there. Now, huge difference. That's not just like my uncle is I'm eight (laughs) feet. My uncle, you should meet my uncle. He's 10 feet tall. I mean, like he, he beats me and like totally blows me out of the water. We're talking about that's a huge difference. That's we're talking about giants, giants like the size of the height of pine trees, like just strolling around. Three story buildings, two story buildings here that we're talking about. That's a house, right? That's a huge difference. Not only giants, but supposedly this is also the area that dragons come from, um, where dragons live. But like I said, there's also, you've got the ant people, which again, falls in line with the Native American mythology, not just of the Navajo, but also the Hopi, um, the Hopi nation, which um, talks about how the ant people guided them to the surface. So... I remember that one. I remember that because they found found the, the pictures the drawings of those on caves. Right. What was that? In the Nevada area, I think? In Nevada and Arizona. Right. Yeah, that's right. So, okay, I can't do giant ant people. I can do giant giant, ant people. They would freak me out. However, I will say (laughs) that... Personal fears aside, the ant people are supposed to be like the most humble, hardworking, like pure of heart humanoid species on our planet. So if anybody's going to be cool, it's supposed to be the ant people. Okay, look, if I was going to get to after my initial like delirious screaming and having (laughs) uh, complete and utter terror and just like accepting okay this is my reality now 
I, I once think, you realize they're I, not going to eat you, then you're like, okay, all right, maybe maybe we'll see how we'll see if it's all right. We'll see if you're okay. <laughs> Are they like? <laughs> Then I could deal with sugar ants. I don't know if I could deal with giant like fire ants or something because those mofos are really aggressive. Like, right? <laughs> Down south, you guys, you guys have fire ants and all kinds of craziness. Yeah, but man, okay, but, and you you had me with dragons because I love dragons. I love me some me dragons. Too. Like I, I may have to, to bite the bullet and face my fear. I mean, maybe take a handful of Valium or something before I go like dive <laughs> place. You know, do do some now, wacky pee or something to like chill chill out before I decide to go into this you know terrarium. <laughs> I, I can't do it. I don't know. It's stretching. Here's here's another description of humanoids. All right. Um, There was a story about the green children of Woolpit. All right. Now, this took place in Woolpit, um, which is in Europe. And it was the village of Woolpit. Um, took place in 1150 AD. Now, these green children supposedly had been following um, some some of their herd of, I think, sheep or oxen that had gotten away from the main herd. And these children were trying to recover them. So they followed these these leftover or these escapees um, to bring them back. And they followed them into the cave systems and they came out um, in the mountains just outside of Woolpit. And they had a greenish hue to their skin and all they would eat were like beans. Now, the they spoke a complete unknown language that nobody from the village of Woolpit understood. They didn't know English or any variation of Latin or European languages, something totally different. And these children were young. Okay. Um, let me see if, if I can find, okay. I don't know, um, but they were young and um, like, pre-adolescence, like below the ages of 12. Now, the boy ended up dying of malnutrition. He wasn't eating all that much. He would only eat beans, and he eventually um, died of just malnutrition. The girl, however, she ended up living, surviving, um, and learning English. And she's the one that actually relayed how they made it to the surface and how they found themselves on the borders of this village of Woolpit. And they were known as the green children of Woolpit. Coming from the inner earth. I vaguely remember seeing some pictures, like they took pictures of them. I mean, there, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, this was 1150 AD. So like, there's a, there's actually quite a few um, paintings and artworks and depictions of these children. And um, the artwork actually does have the green hue to their skin. 
there your was skin an, color there, is straight up green. Yeah, there's another one. There's a family that was green too in um, in Europe that emerged and they took pictures of them. They took pictures of them and I'll have to find it. I'll have to find it so that I can post it in our Discord so that people can Absolutely. see them because I just took it they ended up having like a whole family and everything like above the surface. And oh, wow. um yeah, because they came I mean it's not the first time the the green children have come up to the surface for that. So that's I didn't know that they came up in 1152, so I'll have to look into yeah. that too. But that's crazy. Now, um, Helena Blavatsky, um, going back to her, she started the whole this whole um, esoteric movement that essentially became a religion called the Theosophists, and she wrote a whole book about it. And it goes into um, Agartha. It talks about her journey um, to Tibet, living with the Tibetan monks, um, learning theosophy in India, and just like basically her whole journey. And it is quite the incredible story because she went with... um, uh, Nicholas Rorick and they they had a whole expedition um, where they were on this journey to find Agartha and they came really close now the closer they got um, Nicholas Rorick's uh, so he was actually considered um, the Russian Leonardo da Vinci um, that's that's kind of his nickname that they gave, they, he was given because his art was so incredible. Um, he did incredible watercolor paintings and just some really outstanding stuff. And um, he was part of this party that was searching for Agartha. Now, the closer they got to Agartha, the more his paintings started becoming inspired by Agartha and the king of the world. And um, he talks about how he was started having dreams and visions of Agartha and, you know, started communicating with this king of the world in Agartha. And um, the whole party reported seeing UFOs and, um, you know, lights in the sky that would follow them, shining discs glowing in the sky. And what's very important to detail about that is that literally this happened before um, Roswell and the whole alien, you know, UFO conspiracy, like all of that took place. These are like the OG ufologists. They are the original ufologists because they were being followed by these UFOs long before UFOs were even popularized or talked about. And then all of a sudden, they disappeared. The whole party vanished for eight months. 
Now, were they abducted by aliens? Were they abducted by... Um, were these alien UFOs not so much alien, but a Garthian um, civilization aircrafts that they were basically like, okay, the this party's getting a little close. We've been communicating with them. They're good people. Um, they're spiritually on the right path because these people um, followed – the the belief system of um, the the Himalayans, like the Mongolian people, the Himalayan people, like they they shared the belief system, and because of that, maybe they were just deemed worthy, but um, they were essentially transported into the inner Earth and were missing for eight months and then all of a sudden showed back up on the surface like oh hey guys how's it going like no time had passed whatsoever and everybody was like where were you at and they were like okay boy do we have a story to tell you <laughs> and the adventure that we went on <laughs> right and then oh um and then blavatsky ended up starting her her whole book um and like there there's books called uh, one of the books that was written um by Ferdinand Ossendowski who I believe was also on that um in that party that exploration party um he wrote a book called um Beasts Men and Gods The Mystery of Mysteries The King of the World and like you can actually like read that book. Like this is stuff that you sh we should totally read because it talks about um, Agartha. It talks about the Hollow Earth, um, the Puranas of of India. You've got the Vedic culture that remains inside the Earth. You've got I, it just. This is a rabbit hole that literally leads to the center of the planet. Um, and like, I could literally go on and on and on about this. This, <laughs> like, we have literally just barely scratched the surface. Um, we have talked about Santiev, we have talked about um, Maria Orsic from the Viril Society, we've talked about um. Helena Bravatsky, we've talked about Nicholas uh, Rorick, and this, I mean, LCW. this goes on. Say again? LCW, the lady with right? the night school. And, like, this is just scratching the surface. These are just people um, who have had their own journeys with um, Agartha and Shambhala, and um, they're stories of the inner earth. But I mean, this goes even way beyond that and get, and NASA gets involved and even, um, you know, the first man to walk on the, on the moon, you know, Neil Armstrong got involved yeah. with this. Like Neil Armstrong believed that there absolutely was, you know, a hollow 
cavity inside the earth that, you know, this whole advanced civilization believed in. Now, he was um, suspected to have actually ventured into one of the openings um, on a totally different continent in South America, which we can talk about in a, in a different podcast because there's no way to cover all of this in what is now going on beyond an hour. <laughs> we have passed our time. Which leads me to tell all of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I really appreciate all of our faithful listeners who have come, not only for the Paranatural Cryptid Preservation Society on Wednesday nights, but also our paranormal umbrella that we have yes. every other so I really appreciate everyone coming out listening to us. And we've got big things happening for us in the future. You'll be able to listen to us on other podcast places, which yes. is a big secret. I'm not going to tell you anything more. But we're also <laughs> going to be launching our website soon, including our merch that we are working yes. on. So stay tuned. Keep listening and keep supporting us. I really, really, really do appreciate it. We both do. Thank you so much. And it also comes for me to um, our next paranormal umbrella session is going to be a continuation of the hollow earth theory. And we're going to be discussing Neil Armstrong. We're going to be discussing NASA and we're going to be discussing how this has ties into astral planning and lucid dreaming that is attached to spirituality and the spiritual awakening that most people are feeling in the now. So join us not next Friday, but the following Friday for Paranormal Umbrella on the Hollow Earth Theory and next Wednesday night for the Paranatural Cryptid Preservation Society. Thank you guys so much and we hope to see you then. Yes, and just a personal thank you to all of you guys because this is a a lifelong passion of mine um i when i was like 12 years old my grandfather gave me a copy of jules verne and journey to the center of the earth was one of like the most influential books that i've you know in my life and that really sparked this lifelong passion that has you know almost bordered on obsession. I mean, I spend hours and hours and hours researching this stuff because I just, I'm so fascinated with it. And it makes me so happy that I've been able to share it with all of you guys and, um, you know, hopefully spread some of that passion to you and you can take it and run with it and, you know, find new stuff, connect new dots and really bring some of this to light. So, Thank you guys for everything. And yeah, we'll continue on on Wednesday. Yeah. And don't forget to follow our Discord or join our Discord if you haven't already. We've got the link up here posted. And we also have an Instagram that's also on mine and Cleek's stereo. So follow that as well. And we will see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Yes. Have a good one.